Thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy, happy hump day. That's right. Oh, yes. Today is Wednesday, January 31st, and today is National Hot Chocolate Day. Inspire your heart with art day. That just sounds lame, but whatever. And also National Backward Day. So I guess this is the day of crisscross when everyone would jump, jump and wear their pants backwards. But I will digress. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see exactly where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and on our very own website at www.hyatt9news.com. But today, we, Rico is going to be joining us a little late in the show today. So I'm going to kick it off with the first story of the day, and then we're going to just keep it keep it rolling, you guys. Are you guys ready for this? This is, this is for you, Dale. An Arkansas attorney general rejects marijuana ballot initiative language, you guys. That's right. The Arkansas cannabis advocates are going back to the drawing board after the state's attorney general rejected the most recent proposed language for a ballot initiative that would have increased access to medical marijuana and trigger adult use legalization if federal reform occurs. According to the Arkansas advocate, Attorney General Tim Griffin decided that the ballot's title, Arkansas Medical Cannabis Amendment of 2024, wasn't formatted properly and was too ambiguous. In quotes, my decision to certify or reject a popular name and ballot title is unrelated to my view of the proposed measures merits, Griffin wrote in his decision. In quotes, he says, I am not authorized to consider the measures merits when, in, when considering certification. The measure which the advocates reported is backed by the medical marijuana industry uh, would have basically done these following four points. Expanded who can approve medical cannabis cards and allow providers to access patients through telemedicine allowed MMJ authorization for any condition, not just the state's existing 18 qualifying conditions, permitted adult use if the federal government legalizes it, and legalized home cultivation of marijuana. 
Arkansas's, uh, Arkansas for Patient Access, the advocacy group that wrote the proposed language, plans to resubmit new language for consideration. And uh, time is of the essence, however, because ballot language must be approved before petitions can gather the 90,704 required signatures in support of the initiative. The signature submission deadline is July 5th. And in quotes, they say, we are confident we are confident ballot language will be presented that ultimately gains approval, said the group's attorney, Erica Gee. Well, 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 I, I'm confused as to why this attorney general is blocking this language. He didn't give any reasons as to why he was blocking it. I'm just a little confused about this, but who knows? Maybe Dale, the lawyer on the stage, has some answers in regards to this. But this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all have to say about this violation of free speech? It's another example of bureaucratic foot dragging. Yeah, right? I mean, language, you fight over the words, I mean, what's the meaning? And they get the, the ability to torpedo something because they don't like the exact words you use rather than what are we trying to accomplish here? And if you're short of the language that they think you should let them know where they're short so we can fix this, it's, it's infuriating because a lot of these initiative states have this kind of authority. And not only that, but once it gets passed, the legislatures there can change the rules. Mm-hmm. California is a bit different, but it just it just tells me that the system is still dragging its feet about all of this. Mm-hmm. It, it's discouraging to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think what's craziest about this one too is the fact that this is maybe the most neutral language that you could possibly have to name a bill. The medical marijuana amendment of 2024. How much medical, more neutral yeah, could it possibly medical be? Medical cannabis amendment of 2024. Like, it's very, very, very auspicious vague yeah it's broad yeah it's broad it's, it says it's exactly what it is it's a medical it's a medical cannabis amendment of 2024 it's exactly what this is i mean maybe should they have put voter amendment of 2024 would that have changed the attorney general's position what else would they have wanted to be in place of that i don't i don't know yeah i just i just feel like he should be giving some kind of reason as to oh it's because this you know like like they could have even made something up like as as as, as erroneous as the argument was with with the florida ballot language and the and the attorney general saying oh you know what it's it, it violates the single subject rule it's written too broadly yada 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 like at least they gave some reasoning as to why even though it was a stupid reasoning here we're not even getting any reason we're just saying we're rejecting the language i mean i wish i could say that i was shocked by this but um legislation out of that region never seems to surprise me man man oh man what do you think well there there is a legal reason for being clear because once a statute's passed the language is ambiguous it just creates problems down the line and at some point, you do look at the um, the name of the initiative or the law to help clarify something. So there are some legal reasons. But to be blunt, this is horseshit. It's just more foot dragging. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to clear it up, and I don't know where their specific problem is about what the qualifying conditions, the, who can give the recommendations, homegirl, I don't know what their problem is. But it, they can torpedo something that you spend months, maybe years, and lots of money trying to put in front of them and then they just flush it on you and you know you're supposed to go what back to scratch right i mean let's let's be clear about what it is it's 
a blatant attempt to undermine the will of the voters and not allow them to have their say at the ballot box. I, I, I have, and I have, because the initiative title needs to be approved before the ballot can go to get signatures from voters, not only is it obstructionistic, but it's trying to run out the clock because that has mm -hmm. to be done by July 5th, according to the article. Exactly. So it's, it has broader impacts in terms of how this could or could not move along and actually produce something tangible. So it's just running out the clock. It's it's the same, you know, I would I would use a football analogy because we're getting up here on Super Bowl. Um, but it's clear to me, I mean, we know enough about attorneys and we've done enough deals with attorneys to know that when attorneys don't like language, they usually provide a substitute or red lines or they come back with, here's the language I prefer. And so when some attorney says, I don't like the language and doesn't provide a proposed solve or alternative set of words, it's like Dale said. It's the stuff mm -hmm. that comes out of the horse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, Yarrow, isn't this kind of like uh, the Attorney General basically identifying as the San Francisco 49ers for the po for you know against the Detroit Lions when they just had to run the clock out? I think I would never compare the 49ers to anything that comes out of the tail end of a horse. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> The 49ers are not going to run the clock out. They're going to run the ball, and they're probably just going to smash and crash right on over the opposition next month. You know, there's a lot of lot of conspiracy theorists out there that are saying that the that the NFL is is rigged and that they uh, that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win because then then uh, Taylor Swift is going to come out right afterwards and endorse Joe Biden. I, I've seen that. My question is, why does Taylor Swift need the Chiefs to win to endorse Joe Biden? Like, I, I that's the part that loses me. Like, yeah, I can see the part of the NFL being rigged for the Chiefs to win. I could tell you why. I could I just, tell you why. I could tell you why. Because otherwise, all she's going to do is just have some new sad song to put out about the loss in the Super Bowl. But, and what, but, and the attention Taylor won't Swift be on. Taylor Swift doesn't need that. Taylor Swift doesn't need that because she could take this article about Arkansas and she could write a really sad song already. <laughs> and, it would, and it would be number one on the chart next week. So oh, I, the idea that there's some George Soros back conspiracy to boost up Taylor Swift as a political endorsement is honestly one of the most asinine things I've read in a while. And that's saying something. I don't know. They're calling. They're calling her. They're calling her a psyop. Yeah. The psyop, just, the psyop <laughs> is all the people that are buying into that nonsense conspiracy. <laughs> I just wonder how many of these people got dropped on their heads when they were children. Yeah, That's honestly, I, I blame I blame George Bush. All the all these fools are the ones that got left behind. Oh man! This is late rumor coming. Oh, oh my God, guys. Jason Beck, stop studying. I love I love I love great rumors. I love great rumors. They keep they keep <laughs> us all excited and moving. And we're gonna roll right into a commercial. I just I want oh, to tell Yaro. you guys one very revolutionary thing that is not being covered by the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift is a 49ers fan. Oh, oh man that's Yaro. a real conspiracy <laughs> she's really a niners fan at heart i mean i thought everyone was a niners fan at heart except for cowboys fans i mean i say oh, go niners, niners. Artist yeah. fans. All, right. all right we're gonna go to a commercial a we're gonna be right back raiders fan but then Hey, you, America. Do I look like Sean Connery? Mm -hmm. 
Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. He's an attorney at law and at one point in time did some time for a cannabis crime. That's right. He's the founder of our model law practice and everyone's favorite pissy uncle. That's right. It is none other than Dale Schaefer. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Favorite P.O. local here. I've got a story that I hope is encouraging for all of us. It builds on a theme from last week where a sitting D.A for Second Amendment rights to be able to use cannabis and keep his gun rights. The story this morning comes out of Law 360. The Jersey City Police Union joins suit over off-duty pot policy. Um, I, I didn't read the underlying uh, complaints that were filed, but if I'm reading the tea leaves here, it looks like a couple of cops were uh, exercising their New Jersey right to, to go by and use cannabis. Uh, and the police... Uh, and the the head of whatever the you know public safety, everybody has a different name for this shit. But the city of Jersey City and their head of public uh, safety sued these officers trying to get them fired. Uh, and it it implicates a lot of things. If you're a cop, you have to carry a gun. If you're smoking pot, we've got this problem we've talked about where uh, you you can be prosecuted. You can't own guns if you're an illegal user of of substances. Um, and this is just a continuation of the theme. Now, what I found to be encouraging is back in the day when I was representing a lot of cops, they drank like fish. They could not take a psychotropic drug or go to a counselor for PTSD because it was not what the guys approved, and smoking weed was never considered. Well, now fast forward to a point where, you know, I I know what cops do, and when you get off work, I know if I have a busy day, I, I like to, you know, break out the pipe. Cops are not allowed to do that. It's encouraging to see that they're standing up and go, why not? Okay, how does this affect my on-the-job performance? And again, we're talking about state law now. We're not not talking about the federal law. And under the state law, if you're 21 or older, you can go buy cannabis and use it. Okay, uh, and they're trying to make a distinction. Well, yeah, but you're a public safety officer. And the bigger question is, if I smoke pot off the job, why is that different than having a beer when I'm sitting home watching the ball game? Okay. If I'm not doing the job, what does that affect me? Now you open the bigger question of how much does the federal law play into trying to control police officers' conduct and especially over their gun rights? That's what's mixed up in all of this. And I don't know that I have an answer yet, but the Police Officers Benevolent Association was allowed to intervene in a federal case, add their name to the defendant list, make sure that everybody's represented as a police officer. And this this organization represents the rank and file cops. Um, And they want their voice that not only should we not be punished if we have uh, cannabis in our system that's off duty, but I should not have any concerns about if I want to go do that. And that's the anxiety you put on these cops. Now, I'm happy to see that that police officers are jumping into the hypocrisy we've been dealing with with cannabis policy and law enforcement for 
for, you know, as long as I can remember, well over 50 years since the Controlled Substances Act came about. And I'm hoping that that can play into pushing local legislatures or state legislatures and the Congress to do something meaningful about this. Because if the cops are standing up and go, hey, I'm no different than anybody else out there. If I want to smoke you know, a blunt when I get home, or drink a beer, have a shot of scotch or whatever, that should not be prohibited and I should not lose my job as a cop because of it. But it's complicated because of this federal gun law position that has been taken. So we'll wait and see how this how this um, airs out over time. But for me, I'm hopeful. The cops are coming on to our side, at least at some level. I'm gonna throw this back at you guys. What do y'all think about this? Man, I, I, I'm, I go, go ahead, Solom. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think this is a step in the right direction and it's getting to an issue that has been at odds in other cases it reminds me of um the dish network case in colorado where um a disabled gentleman was fired by dish network for off the use medical mm -hmm. cannabis uh use when he was uh, yeah, a patient I remember that and the what the supreme court's decision in the colorado supreme court in that case claimed that despite colorado having a lawful activity statute and this is really the core of what i'm getting at that says you can't be fired for engaging in something that is lawful activity in the state while not at work. The Supreme Court in that case claimed that Colorado's medical marijuana amendment was not establishing medical cannabis use as a lawful activity. It was just a, a protection from criminal prosecution for it. So I think this is that, and many states have that lawful activity statute. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dale. You're probably a better person to speak to this than I am. But I think... As we're moving towards pushing the use of marijuana as something that is classified as legal activity within a state, then it makes it harder for them to have decisions like this where you can get fired for off-the-clock use or you're not allowed to own a firearm or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. There, there are a number of these lawful activity statutes around the, the country. It gets complicated and the policymakers want to keep throwing the federal law into it. Now, here in California, we, we dealt with this back in 2008 in the San Diego normal case, where our, our court said, nah, the feds can still do what the hell they want. We have a right to make our own laws, and, and the federal law does not affect us because there's a split of authority here that they gave in the Controlled Substance Act. Federal law is federal jurisdiction. Everything else is state jurisdiction. And they're trying to, you know, to mess this all up. And what I see now is it's being untethered. Mm -hmm. And the people that we used to fight against are now getting on the side of untethering this. And I mean, I know enough cops to know, I, I, these, they are suicidal. Okay, some of them are just don't know what the hell to do. And they were never given the opportunity to get proper help. And I'm glad to see that this is changing. And if you find that you can relax and get sleep and deal with your PTSD by using cannabis, I'm all for that because it makes a safer cop. Mm -hmm. And that's my concern. You get these people. I had SWAT officers that were literally sucking on their shotguns at night thinking about blowing their heads off because they had no other place to turn to besides a bottle. And that wasn't fixing their problems. Mm-hmm. 
Very true. Very true. I mean, I, 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 I don't think that they, that they necessarily have the right to tell cops that they can't do stuff during during their off time as long as it's not impairing uh, their their ability to to, to do the wor- the work of the people and mm-hmm. work to, to well, ser- serve the public. Like a- there's a whole other layer here, though, that I don't know if it's been brought up on other episodes or whatnot, but we re- we frequently, and even my article somewhat touches on this, like there, there is obviously a huge disconnect between the lawmakers' understanding of this plant and their the way they associate it with gun ownership, mm-hmm. right, and accessibility. And um, if we are to say that law enforcement officers can use cannabis on their off work hours, suddenly we have firearms in the hands of people who are consuming cannabis. Mm-hmm. Right? I see what you're doing there. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the conundrum that they're all thinking about, right? Like how do we how do we do this? We can't do this. Mm-hmm. If we do this, then we have to admit we're wrong about everything else. Yeah. Very, very. There's the problem, Randy. The hardest thing for the American government to ever do is admit when they're wrong. Well, but to try to get them to admit that they're kind of short on being right, that might be a victory here. And the the bead cops all know that cannabis use was just low-hanging fruit to get them probable cause to clear up your ass and arrest you. And they know that it was all bullshit because I've talked to so many of them about it. They don't give a shit, but they're told you use that, that smell for probable cause and go forward. Once we start pulling away those tools, they call them, this whole this whole fabric begins to fall apart, mm-hmm. and it it still it still infuriates me that these policymakers, these old um, narcotics officers who still continue to have way too much power in policymaking inside law enforcement, will not accept that anybody could ever use a drug, and be able to be a cop or even be a decent moral human being. It's just disgusting, but science and facts just keep swallowing these people up because their stories they put out are just absolute bullshit. Nobody believes them anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, the bigger right, irony man. of that too is that look at what the type of activities that a lot of nar- undercover narcotics officers engage in to make their cases and to make their arrests. Like for yeah. for some of those people to to make a moral judgment on somebody else for consuming a substance is is outrageous fair, oh, fair, you fair. you have no idea slow i've been inside some of these law enforcement investigations and the rights of the people that they're investigating are the last thing they're thinking about they're just worrying about covering their ass as exactly. they're trying to get somebody they want cya and, right dale cya cover your ass oh man I, mm-hmm. i'm telling you I, I mean i've done it myself i was after a chomo one time and we just violated this guy's rights right and left but we got him Okay, so it was a little Thank you for your service. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to shoot him myself, but they wouldn't let me go that far. Oh, okay. man. You should have told them all to just turn around, Dale. Yeah, well, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Karma's a bitch, you know? Mm-hmm. That is so, so, so it true. Is. So true. We are going to uh, keep this train rolling. We are going to roll right on in to Miss Mandy Tingler. She's a mom. She's a cannabis executive and... She is the founder of the Women's Cannabis Awards, which has now begun the judging process. So I hope all of you women-owned brands have got your entries in because the judging process is going on and you could win the opportunity to be on dispensary shelves with this event. So make sure you get your tickets now and check out Mandy Tingler's event, the Women's Cannabis Awards. 
Thank you, Jay. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we're really proud of what we're doing at the Women's Canna Awards. We had over 64 different brands submit products for the competition. Um, we've got over 70 retail partner allies that are promising to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with all of our winning brands. And even more exciting, this week we have announced our special recognition award nominees. And many of them are up for people's choice voting online. So visit womenscannaawards.com. Pick your favorite nominee, and each vote is a dollar. 100% of the money raised is going to the Saving Sophie organization, which is an organization that believes in the utilization of cannabis in the treatment of cancer, and they raise money to help parents fund pediatric cancer treatments for their kids. So on that note, uh, please visit us and take a peek at what we're doing. And today... Like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more about weed and guns, and I'm going to have to do a follow-up story. Some of you may recall, recall back in the end of 2021, a story came out of San Bernardino, a very tragic one, actually. There was a quote-unquote deal going down, and you know it's the age-old story of robbing someone while you're trying to get weed or money in exchange with them. It's also one of the most important reasons that there needs to be serious reform to accessing cannabis. It's also unfortunately a perfect example of why lawmakers keep tying together that weed smokers shouldn't have guns. <coughs> Headline reads, two California brothers get prison time for roles in deadly marijuana robbery. Two brothers were sentenced to federal prison Monday for their involvement in robbery of a marijuana dealer in San Bernardino, in which the dealer died of gunshot wounds, the U.S. Justice Department said. On July 31st, 2021, Dylan Jones, a 20-year-old from San Bernardino, placed an order with the victim for one pound of marijuana. Jones, along with his cousins, Martrell Patrick Shaw, a 20-year-old from San Bernardino, and Ron Trell Shaw, a 22-year-old from San Bernardino, planned to rob the victim at gunpoint said a news release from the U.S. Attorney's Office. Once the victim arrived at the established location in San Bernardino, Martrell Shaw and Jones robbed him at gunpoint, and one of the robbers shot twice, striking the victim in the neck and torso, prosecutors said. Martrell Shaw and Jones then stole the marijuana and gun belonging to the victim, who later died from the gunshot wounds he suffered. San Bernardino police in August said Danielle, Daniel Michael, 21, of Colorado Springs, Colorado, was found fatally shot, and it was on the 1300th block of West Hill Drive in a residential neighborhood. On Monday, the U.S. District Judge Jesus Bernal sentenced Martrell Shaw to 20 years in prison and Ron Trell Shaw to 14 years in prison. Both had pleaded guilty to interference with commerce by robbery, which Martrell is also pleading guilty to discharging a firearm during a crime of violence resulting in death. Jones pleaded guilty in September of 23 to one count of robbery conspiracy and one count of interference with commerce by robbery, one count of discharging a firearm during a crime of violence resulting in death, and one count of possession of a stolen firearm. His sentencing hearing is scheduled for later this April. Now, you guys, when I look at who ultimately is responsible for this, I am definitely eyes on our government and their policies around the way that they have handled this plant and its accessibility. 
but this is ultimately what happens when we have this gross hysteria around this plant. And also this is what lawmakers are referring to when this is, this is the kind of headline, this is the kind of stuff that they're referring to when they make excuses for why we shouldn't be able to access guns. And so this obviously is a huge tragedy. I'm glad to see that these individuals are being held accountable, but it's just more backing around the conversation um, as why legislators make the decisions that they do. And this is more of the same that we have to continue fighting against and showing the contrary to. So I'm going to turn this back over to my correspondents. Love to hear what you think. This is Carmen Sacramento coming at you for High at Nine on a Wednesday. Now, now, Mandy, yesterday we covered a story that uh, that police were saying was a cannabis robbery where there was someone that was that, that was shot and killed, but there was no evidence of any cannabis. Was there evidence of a cannabis transaction with this story? So they said in the story that there was a arrangement for a pound transaction to take place. So this person got smoked for a pound. That's pretty sad. And th these days, guys, a pound, uh, depending upon where it's grown, a pound of flour is, you know, what, tops 1,400 right now? No way. The bullets I got, cost I got, more I got, than the pound. I got some pounds right now that are <laughs> right. going for 4,500. You know, another thing that really kind of struck me, too, is that the sentencing, right? Um, right now, I mean, right now in my life, I am examining regularly individuals who are, are currently incarcerated for cannabis. And this is nonviolent cannabis crimes. Okay. So this one was a violent one, right? Nonviolent cannabis offenders are starting to, and have been looking for ways to appeal to get out, but their sentences are astronomical. There is a man in, and I forget what state he's in. I want to say it's Mississippi perhaps mm -hmm. right now. Maybe Louisiana. Yeah, free but bud. A man named bud. Free bud. Who's like 67 he's yeah, in Alabama. years old. He's in Alabama. For having five plants. Yeah. And this man is supposed to die in prison. He's not mm -hmm. supposed to get out until he's 90. You guys, 40 years for five plants. These fucking kids got 20 years for murder. Mm -hmm. There is a big, big They didn't call it murder. If you look at how they charged them, it was some interference with interstate commerce, which is just horseshit because the federal government it doesn't have general laws that if you murder somebody, and we can step in. They've got to try to manufacture something here. States really should be stepping in because this was an armed robbery it resulted in a, in a killing. It should be a first degree murder and we should be warming up a tree and a rope right now for these dumb fucks. And instead they're, they're getting time. Luke and I got similar amounts of time for weed. Okay, and these guys whack somebody, and it's a classic felony murder rule. Mm -hmm. You conspire to go rob somebody, somebody whacks somebody, you're all guilty of murder. This is a murder case, and they get this kind of time, and they put in flowery language and lipstick on the pig. It's murder. Yeah. These guys should never see the light of day again. I, I got the, on the one hand and on the other hand going on for me. First of all, Dale, you just talked about warming up a tree and a rope. I just want to let you know, I don't ever want to see you warm up a tree. I don't know what that looks like. That's between you and the tree. You never heard of a I tree hugger? Arborist you never heard of a tree hugger? The tree will like it. There'll be no complaints from Thank the tree. <laughs>
I'm not sure if you have a minimum diameter size for the trunk, but that is a whole nother episode on a whole nother channel. Here's my on the one hand and here's my on the other hand. On the one hand, I do firmly believe that a lot of violent crime is connected to poverty and that there's this crabs in the barrel uh, notion. And on the other hand, I don't feel sorry for people who rob people at gunpoint. And I think that the story is is about that and what they're robbing somebody for almost uh, is less relevant, whether it's uh, jewelry or cannabis. Uh, it's it's a violent crime. Mm -hmm. The other thing that comes up for me is we hear this talking point, and we heard it here with our guests, and we hear it a lot in policy circles around violent versus nonviolent cannabis crimes. And I have an issue with that because a lot of times violent crimes don't require violence. Possession of a firearm while in committing a, a crime or, or a cannabis felony makes that skewed towards, oh, well, those are the violent offenders. And the truth is there's a lot of young men specifically growing up trying to find their way without a lot of guidance, and they do some dumb shit. And so I think it's important for us to understand uh, that the communities hey, that we're most enforced against were also ones that had lots of poverty. And 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 I just, I yeah. think we need to be compassionate around that. Mm-hmm, exactly. Without. Well, but Yaro, the, the problem is that there is a significant cohort of young men, especially, that um, will turn to violence. They are violent, they're highly disagreeable, and that's where law enforcement turns most of its attention. And we can quibble about whether they had a gun, whether they had a stick, a sharp stick, you're going to run over with your car. Um, there is a cohort of men out there particularly that are violent own to violence, will use it. And they are the target that law enforcement should be watching. And they should be the ones we watch the most carefully. And if we don't throw them in jail for life, then if we let them out. Then we, we got to warm up that tree. Mm -hmm. And I don't well, even know how to do that. Well, but I, when I was in, they talked about rehabilitation and they said, oh, we're going to prepare you for re-entry. And our joke was, no, they're preparing you for rear entry. They're not doing shit to get you ready to go back to society, okay, and figure out why were you violent? What was your life about? And can we redirect your thought process away from violence more introspection. I was part of some of those classes when I was in prison, and it's possible to do that. But mm -hmm. it's, it's violence. It tends to be young men. That's how they express violence. And we need to look at that with a sympathetic eye. But also, there are people out there, when they prove that they're violent, okay, and that action, you intentionally kill somebody with malice of forethought. Now, what are we going to do with this person? And, you know, as much as I like to think about rehabilitation, I'd pop a cap in the ass of some of these people myself. I've met them in prison, and they are not rehabilitatable. They are just not. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do we do with them? Dale, good point. Well, I mean, have you ever had thoughts of maybe like throwing them on the front lines in the military, and then that way we can digress some of the, the some of the population? Well, the problem is that they don't they don't cooperate very well. They're highly disagreeable. You give them an order, they're going to tell you go fuck yourself. Okay. Yeah, but That's if you drop the them off in the middle of the jungle, name. they're going to figure it out. Well. It, it sounds like a nice idea, but I've been in the military. And before you get to the front lines, 
you've got to be able to have some cohesion of the forces. And these guys are just not cooperators. I'm all for putting them out there with an AK and say, run towards those guys and you take the bullet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's complicated. I wouldn't want these son of a bitches in the organization that I was involved in because they're mean, they're violent, they're sociopathic, some of them are psychopathic. And they'll kill you. They'll rape you. They'll steal your shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so how much patience are we supposed to have? For me, there are some things you do that demonstrate to me that, okay, karma's going to catch up to you. And I'll warm up that tree and get me a rope. Mm-hmm. Again, I, mean, I, think, I think this goes back tree. to Yara's point. I think <laughs> no, this goes back to Yara's point about, you know, Obviously, there's some people, like you said, Dale, that are just not going to be fixable. They're not, you know, they're past mm-hmm. the, the point of correction. So the real answer is that we have to address what societal issues are leading large swaths of young men to decide to to be violent criminals their entire lives before they reach that point of being irreparable. Well, I think a lot of it has oh. to do with uh, with the opportunities that they're provided at, at, at a younger age. And if they, don't have, if they don't have any hope of being able to do something with their life, the only alternative is to to, to make whatever they have at, at anyone else's expense. Absolutely. We can't men even need, figure Men need mentors. They need fathers. They need community. They need a, a fabric of accountability. They need hopes and dreams as well as ways and means. And they need opportunity. And so on a per individual basis, I totally agree with Dale. There are some apples in the barrel that are never going to be redeemable and aren't even usable for applesauce. And on a broader on a broader level, I think about what your, you know, Matthew St. Germain and other people talk about in terms of getting back to a mindset for society where we care about those we don't know and we go out of our way to help those we'll never ever see again and where we think about ourselves in terms of all interconnectedness and and you know I can't summarize those perspectives as well as he can but I feel I feel bad for the victim I also feel bad for the families I'm sure there's some parents there who are wondering what they could have done better and where they went wrong and where they could have kicked their own son in the ass uh, so that that son didn't need to be incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And on that, let's uh, go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And... With the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing and make sure that you hit that like button. And also, thank you to all of you out there that have subscribed already. We did hit our $2,500 or $2,500 subscriber marker yesterday, this morning. So thank you all for that. But don't stop there because we are trying to get to 10,000 subscribers. So if you have not subscribed to the channel, make sure that you subscribe now. And all of the articles that we cover on today's show, you can read directly on our website at www.hyatnightnews.com. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla, and if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. 
I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport, or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke, because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized assessment just for you. Let's go. See color. I bet. You're right. I am one of those conservatives that don't see color. You're right. You're right about that, Rico. And on that, we have the dope dad himself, who was a little late today because he was out there doing dope dad stuff, making sure that Zozo was taken care of in the morning and had the proper yeah. attention that she needed. That's right. It is the happy cabbage man himself. That's right. The dope dad, Mr. Rico Lameet. Appreciate you, Jason. Uh, apologies, everybody, for the tardiness. I had to take care of my baby girl. She's sick, uh, so I didn't pick her up from school. But um, either way, the 2024 presidential election is still 10 months away. But luckily, with Super Bowl 57 coming up in less than two weeks, mainstream media will be at least partially distracted from two old-ass white men lying about stuff they didn't do in the past and most likely won't do next time they get voted back in office. Uh, so it's only right that Americans get their yearly dose of former NFL stars making guest appearances on mainstream news outlets uh, to give predictions for the game, hawk whatever recent products that they've invested in, and every once in a while give hot takes on trending topics they normally would not have the platform to do so on. Um, Right on schedule, former Chicago Bears quarterback and Super Bowl champion Jim McMahon showed up on Fox News Digital for an interview with Ryan Gatos uh, to make a run at the second two options. McMahon, a known cannabis advocate and activist, took his airtime to tease a possible presidential run for uh, with former All-Pro offensive lineman Kyle Turley, my guy, uh, to uh, promote the duo's cannabis advocacy and raise awareness about safer banking. Um, but also, let's be real, it's promote their is to promote their brand, Revenant, which is available in Missouri, home state of the Kansas City Chiefs. And they wanted to get that off there too. Uh, but it didn't really make major headlines. But Turley was in New Hampshire last week to confront opposing candidates that are most likely not on anyone's ballots this year, Nikki Haley and Dean Phillips, about safer banking. So McMahon made sure he brought it up while he was on air. Here's what he had to say. We're trying to get the message out about this cannabis plant and about fair banking and to bring awareness. I think he meant to say safe or safer <laughs> banking. <laughs> safe, <fair> banking. <laughs> and to bring awareness not only to the cannabis industry, but uh, but things are going bad in this country. We're going to make a little bit of noise. We might get some votes just for cannabis part. We're gonna have some fun with it. We're gonna try to grow our brand and make uh, people aware about this plant. We'll see what happens. He was then asked about what he'd change if he were elected president. And uh, while I do not want to really dive into that rabbit hole today, I will say this. There's a reason why Fox News Digital was the one giving him the time of day. 
<laughs> but as a former football player myself, I'm all for former pro athletes using their celebrity to promote cannabis and raise awareness regarding cannabis issues um, that not only matter to them, but also affect mainstream America. And even if you got a front about running for president to get the word out on fringe networks, thirsty for spicy sound bites from people seldom known for giving their opinions anywhere other than on social media, you know what? I'm all for it. Fellas, you got my vote. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hot 9 News. And for 2024, I am officially endorsing Jim McMahon for president and Kyle Turley for VP. Who's with me? Oh, man. I'm in. I feel like we're I'm in an episode of Ballers. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I, I mean, like... anybody could be better than Trump. So I don't know about all that, but. Ah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Democrats are trying to push the rock right I now. I mean, if Trump can do it, anyone. I do you think that? Yeah. I wonder is, is the Democrats knew that this article was coming out, Rico, and that's why they've been trying to push the rock to run to have some opposition to this ticket. You, I mean, you, you guys want to like, cling on to every conspiracy theory? Why don't you just put forward some actual uh, platform ideas? How about that? Instead of worrying about The Rock, instead of worrying about, you know, uh, what's her name? I'm not worried Swift. about The Rock. Like, 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 I'm so on, not man. worried about like, The Rock. Like, come on, what's, oh, I think it's some solutions, man. I just, I just find would, it would you, hysterically funny. Yeah, I thought, I thought this was uh, hysterically funny. This that is you said fair banking. <laughs> I mean, dude. I mean, did you really expect him to know it? Did you really expect? Him I mean, to come it? on. He was a quarterback. He probably has some TBI. He got hit a lot when he was yeah. playing. Like if he got close to the mark, PD. that was good enough. He's expecting the wide receiver to pull that ball in, even if it's two or three feet away. And so if he gets the words wrong, he's expecting somebody besides him on his team to correct him. I'm not yeah. mad at the guy. I liked him as a football player. I like what he's saying. I understand that he's being covered by only one side of the political spectrum, but I think the things that are coming out of his mouth are things that I generally align with. And I like their brand, not that I've tried the product yet, but I like the branding around it. It's kind of like the, um, like the masculine sort of work kind of tough cannabis brand. And you know, it's a, it's a welcome respite from things like other brands like garden society or things that are obviously more feminine focused. So I'm not mad at Jim McMahon. Thank you for your football years. And uh, if you can get the message out anywhere and it, and it aligns with what I think I'm not, I'm, I'm going to do nothing but cheerlead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do find it amusing though, that his brand is sold in Missouri and it's the Kansas city chiefs in the super bowl. I do find I feel like it's that. Missouri. It is Missouri. Yeah. Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> Missouri. Yes. Yeah, I'm waiting silent. That's because I. I'm I waiting for silence. Charles Barkley and Herschel Walker to come together and, and have a mind trust running for president and vice president. <laughs> a mindless trust? <laughs> I think I Charles Barkley has standards in his life and wouldn't affiliate with Herschel Walker. I, I have a real question. I have a real question. Do you think we could put. They're both Republicans. Do you, uh, that's that's great. That's great. Do you think that? Do you think though that we could get Refrigerator Perry to be the head of the FDA in this administration? He's still, is he still alive? Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. All right, we're gonna go to a commercial. And we're gonna be right back. That'd be, that'd be fantastic.
Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, pre-rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Oh yeah. With over a decade of regulated cannabis technology and data experience under his belt, our next correspondent stays on his grind. So it's no surprise his, uh, he's currently working on a pro-athlete-focused lifestyle brand by the same damn name. And I'm sure he has uh, some, some cool stuff geared up for this week or this next uh, week and a half as we head into the Super Bowl. Y'all know who it is. Come to the stage, Soham Shaw. Thank you, thank you. It's good to be back after uh, taking a couple weeks off to go travel a little bit. Um, but yeah, today I got uh, some maybe welcome news after several weeks of conversation around rescheduling cannabis and the DEA and the HHS. Um, earlier this week, two senators, uh, Liz Warren and John Fetterman, uh, put forth a letter addressed to Attorney General Merrick Garland and the head of the Drug Enforcement Administration the DEA, encouraging the DEA to use their discretion to deschedule cannabis completely from the Controlled Substances Act as opposed to rescheduling it from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. Um, their talking points and their arguments echo uh, a lot of what drug policy reform advocates have been saying and that rescheduling does not necessarily address removing the criminal element and stop law enforcement from targeting communities of color uh, with prohibition. Uh, additional senators that signed on to the bill are Chuck Schumer, independent Bernie Sanders, and uh, several GOP senators. Uh, in the weeks since the HHS memo that came out uh, recommending a rescheduling, we've seen movement on both sides of the issue with um, some former attorney generals and DEA heads encouraging the Biden administration and the DEA to keep cannabis in Schedule 1, um, as well as members of the same group also calling for rescheduling as well. This seems to be the first prominent step towards encouraging descheduling, which um, I think from an industry perspective is probably what most of us would encourage as well. One important point of their letter is that rescheduling to Schedule 3 does not address the disconnect between state and federal law and that programs that exist in states with, with laws on the books right now would continue to be in violation of the federal law even with a rescheduling. So. Their goal is to really deschedule, and um, I, for one, am happy to to see this letter coming forward. Um, you know, we discussed earlier that you know the people signing onto this letter we might not agree with either individually or as a group on a lot of issues, but uh, regardless, it's very important to see senators coming together from across the aisle to to push what really is the best the best way to um, end the prohibition, the federal prohibition on cannabis. Uh, so with that, I'd love to to hear what the entire team has to say on this. And uh, yeah, thank you. Man. I'm happy to see this happening. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, the, the uh, executive branch was given the authority by Congress to move it in the schedule or to take it completely out. And that's sort of the battle going on here. And, you know, Biden told us a lot of stuff he was going to do about cannabis. He hadn't done shit. 
is Luke and I haven't gotten a pardon. No, this <laughs> you know, is this, this is huge. This, this a is a lot huge. of things that they're talking about here. But I, I've been arguing all along it needs to be descheduled and take mm-hmm. away any of this nonsense about FDA approval of all this stuff. Make it like alcohol. Let the states handle most of this, and the feds are only going to collect the tax and make sure that you're free to move around in commerce and that it's relatively safe and the rest of it's up the states and just knock all this nonsense off. But that's my wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one other impo- yeah. important part I think they put into this letter is that the rescheduling versus descheduling, rescheduling would continue to protect the large corporate interests that have you know penetrated a lot of these limited license markets, particularly in the Midwest and on the East Coast, and descheduling would do more to, to address that issue. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Mandy. No, it's okay. I just... <sighs> This is just going to be the same thing we shake our head at for a very long time. It's always going to be like this. It's going to until we. I hate to sound like hopeless and like, you know, Doctor Doom, but like this is so frustrating. Bite my lips so much, and at the same time, I just want to like keep my head against the wall. Aggravating this, 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 is, this is a great step in the right direction because right now you have a bunch of senators on record saying that they support full descheduling. And so this is a huge, huge, huge win. And so I don't want to take anything away from this moment. I think this is fantastic that these senators have, have, have take, taken that stance and, <clears throat> in essence, are kind of going against, against, uh, against, against the grain a little bit within their own party saying that uh, Schedule 3 isn't enough. And so, so I think this is this is huge. I hope to see uh, this this similar uh, language taken up in the House, and I know that in the House that it would definitely be a bipartisan bill. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, what, do, what do we think? Uh, what do we think our next steps here? Do you think there's this is going to get any legs? We think we're going to see any legislation no. at the end of the no. day? No. The, no. The no. discretion lies no. with the DEA. So I, no. I'm, I'm with you. I'm. No. The federal government is like between a rock and a hard place on this topic. I mean, it's probably one of those really sore spots of discontention. And when you think about like, okay, right now, I challenge everybody who's watching, go on Google and type in cannabis news. And the top 30 articles that you're probably going to find are going to have something to do with some city somewhere talking about what their legalization or accessibility plan is going to be. And actually, that's not even just here in the U.S. This is this is almost global happening on every continent. It's a dialogue that is happening in real time and real steps are being made. And here's the federal government with the thumb up their ass with articles all day long, like screaming at them about the the nonsensical decisions that they're making. And yet they're still moving at a glacier's pace. I don't know. I can't get that excited about it anymore. Just tell well, me. I'm just me excited. I'm, I'm excited about the fact of, of of the narrative shift. Okay. I'm just. I'm excited I'm about sure, that. But the narrative can be whatever we make it today. Change the fucking law. Mm-hmm. Talking about. Yeah, it. they're not. They're not going to do that. Biden's pushing for yeah, schedule Mandy, three. I like the. I like the spicy. Spicy, Mandy. Biden's. Biden's Bring pushing. Biden could do three. it tomorrow. He could. He could <laughs> sign an order today to move it to the out of the controlled <laughs> substance that he's got that authority. No, but he doesn't. He just. He doesn't. He's have not going to do it. He, he doesn't. Butt have that puckers up thinking about doing anything positive for cannabis or drugs in general. He's one of the authors of this war on drugs we got. The president does. I mean, between the two of my guests right here, we got. Thumbs up the ass and butt puckering as descriptions <laughs> to federal policy. 
And what happens for me is there's no room for me to be the degenerate and to really take us to the gutter. So You're good at it. I'm trying, but it like you low. guys have set the bar so low. all the way down into the gutter. All right, so what this is what came, this this gutter. is what this is what came up for me when 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 Mandy said thumb up the ass. I started thinking about is that actually like how would you do that? Like, could you actually? If, are my arms long enough? I'm kind of a short guy, but then I realized there's a stretch and smoke. So if I did stick my thumb up my ass and I was a little sore afterwards, there was a, a place I could go to get some treatment around that and 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 sort of work it out. I think I think you're missing it. They put their thumbs up each other's asses. It's quid pro quo. Yeah, it's oh, quid pro. Yeah, boy. right, right. No, I I, oh. I, I, I get that. Party. Yeah, I think Jason's right about this being momentum, mm -hmm. momentous. Yep, awesome. And they're on record because of politics. It's hard to distinguish between optics and outcomes, grandstanding versus really caring. And so, I would love to see a bill that, even if it doesn't pass, shows that those. Lawmakers were putting their name on something and adding some specificity. Mm -hmm. I really agree with what Dale said. And I can't help but wonder if we go that direction, is there a method or mechanisms that can still prioritize on a federal level? And I know you're going to slam me, Jason, social equity and providing some head start for those constituents who have been most impacted by prohibition. The only way they're going to do that is if they get reparations. That was for you, Rico. That was all for you. What, Jason? <laughs> that's the only way that's going to happen. Is I, I, I got a radical idea to get the DEA to start moving in the right direction. Put forth a bill that abolishes the DEA and then see if they try and start getting their act together. Yeah, we know that ain't going to go anywhere fast. I know. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, if you, want to, if you want to get that done, you know, be careful. Who, you know who you'd have I'll to be tapping your phone so... Um... Mm -hmm. Just be careful. Uh, pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure they've been doing that for a long time. <laughs> oh come on! I mean, I mean, Soham just came. Soham just came back into the U.S. So you know he got keister checked on his way yeah, back for customs. I get, I get random. I get pulled aside for random searches at uh, at U.S. Customs. I'm pretty sure my phone has been tapped exactly. since 9/11. Squat and lift him. Squat and lift him. There we go. Yep. I like this shady mm -hmm. guy. Exactly right. Shady. <laughs> You ready? I don't know, uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Gillibrand's been, uh, she's been down for the cause for a while. And um, I'm just mm -hmm. glad that somebody's actually saying, you know, fuck rescheduling. Yeah. Exactly. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm very excited that they did this, and I think that's a big step. And so I do want to commend yeah. all all of these uh, senators for yes. for for t taking taking this position and coming out publicly. And I'll, honestly, we do have one side thing to thank Joe Biden for because Senator Alex Padilla of California was signed on to his descheduling letter, and he was the replacement for none other than our current vice president, who I can promise you would not have been on this letter. She would have been on the rescheduling side of this. So there you go. There's a little silver lining for something that Joe Biden has done for you, Jason. I mean, he hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> he, hasn't. So he hasn't done nothing yet, Jason? No. No, nothing Nothing. The, the, the mess things up. Nothing but mess things. Well, up. at least at, at the very least, you know, I, I very seldom um, defend uh, Joe Biden. You're doing it right but now. It sounds least, like at least he ain't out there saying he's done more for black folks than anybody, any other president ever. I mean, 
I mean, but he was out there telling people that if you don't vote for him, you're not black. Like I said, at least so, he said he ain't, he hasn't done more. I don't know. I, I think I think, I think that's I think that's I think that's way more offensive. I think that's way more offensive than 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 the apparent truth. I think that's way more offensive than the apparent truth. You think is it? You, mm-hmm. it, it yeah. As a resident black person, as a resident black uh, uh, um, uh, host, mm-hmm. is that what you're saying, Jason? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's more offensive. Yep, that's more offensive. You know, well, well, just just like you, just like you, I'm more I'm about offended. the. Or excuse me, just like Mandy, I'm more about the action. I'm I'm offended. That. I'm offended. Yeah, call me yeah, when no. the decision's yeah. been made. Then he's a, he's a, I will throw a party. Eighty year old, eighty year old white man in America. Chances are. Probably got a, little, got a couple of racist uh, bones in their body, mm. <laughs> whether they be believe like, so or not. You know, uh, it is what it is. This is the so, only way Biden could like ever redeem himself. Biden is never going to redeem the only himself. Way. It's not even possible. I mean, he can never truly what he's done to destroy. He's, he's, he's out there campaigning. He's out there campaigning. Lives, but. He's a, he, Mandy. He's this out there, cam- Mandy. He's out there campaigning right now that he has uh, that he's out there right now campaigning that he has fulfilled his campaign promise to the cannabis community, and we all know that that's total BS. So I'm not buying none of that shit. Yeah. Oh no, it's total BS. He's a liar, an absolute liar. But and I'm not thinking that he's gonna be smart oh. enough or brave enough on that mark. I'm not even gonna insult his intelligence. We all know where that lies. But like brave enough, you he's don't not. have the balls to legalize legalize weed, Biden. Prove me wrong. Oh, yeah. He's not. That's not going to. It's it's not about balls. Between the balls and the butt, you guys are still in the gutter. It's about having a moral compass and something you care about enough that you're willing to take a popular or unpopular stand and do something because you want to be a net positive and you want your legacy to include outcomes that are greater than yourself. And ideally, the people who are called to public service have a North Star. They have a compass. And we talk a lot about how politicians often don't have a compass. They have a weather vane, and they go wherever the political tailwinds will take them. And that's the unfortunate part about it, is Mm -hmm. that those who are called to public service aren't often called for the right right reasons. And, And Biden is just demonstrating that he doesn't have a North Star with this. And also, it's about uh, making sure that your constituents don't get the shaft. Uh-huh. Rico, we got to go to Yarrow. We got to go to Yarrow now. This time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll introduce him too. All right, so up next, we have the Sebastopol Sage himself, my man coming through for um, special teams consulting. He's also a dope dad, a second generation cultivator, and a first generation kicker of all things truth my man yaro kubrin thank you rico i hope someday my kids see me as a dope dad instead of just a chauffeur who can give them a 10 spot here and there all right my article today is from marijuana moment and it is about hawaii which i've Covered a little bit before here on High at Nine News. And uh, before I jump into it, it's a pleasure to be sharing your screen with this esteemed group of panelists, including Mandy and Dale. I am in amazing company. So let's talk about the tropics and our states as far west as possible. Hawaii's Attorney General, Marijuana Legalization Bill, formerly lands in state legislator, 
legislature, but advocates urge major reform. A marijuana legalization measure unveiled in draft form last year by Hawaii's Attorney General has now been formally introduced into the legislature with companion bills filed in both House and Senate. Advocates, however, say the latest version needs major changes to shift the plan's focus away from law enforcement and to allow for the clearing of past cannabis convictions to provide relief for those most harmed by prohibition. Led by Rep Representative David Tarnas and the House and Senator Jarrett Kale in the Senate, the bill is largely the product of Attorney General Ann Lopez and her staff. During a confirmation hearing last April, she committed to leading an administrative task force between now and next legislative session to develop a complete regulatory and law enforcement legislative package that you can attach to any bill if you're planning to legalize marijuana, a commitment that led to new bills, HB 2600 and SB 3335. Momentum to legalize cannabis has been building in Hawaii for years, and earlier this month, the Senate's majority Democratic leadership listed the reform as one of its top legislative priorities for the current session. The chamber passed marijuana legalization bills in 2021 and 2023 that later stalled in the House of Representatives. The new 328-page bill landed with notable support last week, with nine other co-sponsors besides Kiakohole in the Senate and 16 others aside from Tarnas in the House. But the advocacy community, the measure has been met with mixed reviews. Generally speaking, the bill provides a sound floor plan for adult use legalization, but erects a structure that is still far too punitive in its approach said Nikos Leverenz of the Drug Policy Forum in Hawaii and the Hawaii Health and Harm Reduction Center. I told Marijuana Moment in an email this week, placing a velvet glove of legalization on law enforcement's iron hand is not what is called for. As introduced, the proposal would allow adults 21 and older to possess up to an ounce of cannabis and up to five grams of concentrate as of January 1st, 2026. Home cultivation would be legal with adults allowed to grow up to six plants and keep as much as 10 ounces of resulting marijuana. Now, you know that doesn't make sense because one plant is gonna produce more than 10 ounces. So how are you gonna get people in trouble that way by giving them the means of production that allows for greater than the amount of possession? Nice try. The measure would create the Hawaii Cannabis Authority to license and regulate adult use cannabis businesses. The body would be overseen by a five-member appointed cannabis control board led by an executive director who would be vetted better than our friend <laughs> in Missouri, who would need to have experience in public health or cannabis regulation. Cultivators, processors, medical dispensaries, adult use retailers, craft dispensaries, and independent testing laboratories would be licensed under the plan, with regulators able to adopt rules around special events, social consumption, and other special use cases. Adult use cannabis would be taxed at a relatively modest 10% in addition to Hawaii's 4% general state excise tax. Advocates, however, are criticizing the bill for what they say is an overly strict approach to the change, pointing to new criminal laws that would affect minors as well as restrictions that could risk perpetuating the harms of the drug war, such as the bill's explicit assertion that the smell of marijuana can be used to justify searches. Karen O'Keefe, director of the State Policies for Marijuana Policy Project, which recently released a summary of the new legislation, said the bill, as introduced, might actually do more harm than good to the cause of cannabis justice. 
Legalization should mean fewer cannabis arrests, not more, O'Keefe told Marijuana Moment, arguing that the policy change should include the clearing of criminal records for cannabis and reinvestment in hard-hit communities. Instead, these bills ramp up cannabis-specific law enforcement and impose jail times for innocuous behavior that harms no one, including driving long after impairment wears off and having previously opened jars of edibles in the passenger area of a car. Anyone who possesses an open package of marijuana or loose flour in the passenger area of our vehicle, for example, could face up to 30 days in jail. Minors could be hit with criminal charges, though the bill includes provisions for probation and deferred prosecution. And convictions would be eligible for expungement once sentences are complete. Oh, thank you so much, Hawaii. Broader expungement provisions for people with existing marijuana convictions on the record, however, don't exist in the bill drafted by Lopez's office. The current plan would create a cannabis enforcement unit, as well as a separate drug nuisance abatement unit within the attorney general's office, with at least 25 new positions between the group. That's why Lopez drafted the bill, so she could build her team. A new cannabis enforcement special fund and nuisance abatement fund would receive 7.5% of the marijuana tax revenue. Follow the money. While it's time, while it's past time Hawaii and cannabis prohibition, O'Keefe said the legislature needs to specifically revise the AG drafted bill. So there's a few more paragraphs in this, but let's just jump right into it because we've covered this already and we've covered this attorney general here on High at Night News. I'm going to kick this off and then give my other panelists an opportunity to riff, ramble, and rant with me. So this attorney general initially had said that she was neutral on medical cannabis. <clears throat> That's a challenge for me since the science would lead me to believe that anybody who uh, is intelligent and sentient and has an open mind wouldn't stay neutral on something where a lot of the data is already in place to support a pro-medical uh, position. And I just think that anybody who drafts a bill that adds 25 people to their office is really thinking about their political career and consolidating strength and influence in government. And then this notion that you could do 30 days in jail for having an open package of edibles in your car, even if you were stone cold sober, seems like while we want to see something advance, they need to get it right, and they need to get it right in such a way that it doesn't create additional criminality that, in my opinion, shouldn't exist. This is Yaro Kubrin, Hyatt Nine News. I'd like to hear what the rest of my guests and panelists think. It's sad to see the pace of progress <laughs> on cannabis in Hawaii. And um, I don't know, last time I asked this, I don't know if anybody else has any uh, updates or anything, but... Um, there were no Hawaiian, actual Hawaiian-owned uh, operations out there. Yeah, I think that I think that is that is correct. I think that is uh, that that is very very correct. There is no uh, indigenous uh, representation in regards to ownership yeah. of any of these places out there. It's bureaucracies, guys. These mm -hmm. bureaucracies, once they're funded, never want to give up funding. And if you don't get funding and keep your bureaucracy going, then you're out and somebody else is in. And inside law enforcement, there still is this deep-seated belief that marijuana is going to ruin society. And you see it sneak out in things like this, where you can't really explain why this is such horseshit and doesn't fit together, except that 
we don't think this is good for society, so we'll take one little baby step at a time, rather than, like, California, the voters said, it's a misdemeanor soaking wet. Law enforcement, deal with it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to go around the politicians to get this done, because if you let them do that, they're going to continue to criminalize because their mama told them weed's bad, and by God, I'm going to keep something on the book so we can do something to these people. It's like, stop it. Just yeah. stop it. Yeah, I think one of the things I kind of liked about this story is that you see them starting to say some of the quiet parts out loud, right? Creation of this new drug nuisance abatement task force or whatever the fuck they called it, whatever, however they're finding way to divert money from one form of law enforcement to another. You know, like that to me is is saying that quiet part that like for them, this is about money and power and maintaining a certain level of influence. The other thing I really liked, obviously I don't like it, but I think it's hilarious that they said it out loud, is they explicitly maintain the right to use the smell of cannabis to establish probable cause, which is what we've been screaming for a long time. Like, all right, thank you. Like, that's what we've been saying. Like, you're proving our point by adding this into your legalization Mm -hmm. bill. Exactly. I could not have said it better than you just did. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. And on that... I think it's about time. I think we all agree about that, that Hawaii is going to be yes, it is. a big old shit show. <sighs> mm-hmm. Depleted uranium. Exactly. Yeah. Stop thinking about it like that. I just want them to run the tapes on Maui and see what really happened, but we're not going to talk about that yet. Mm-hmm. Um Thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen. Our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms. Tune in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, all of our sponsors keeping the lights on in our AV struggles to a minimum. And, um, even though he cut his hair back there, man, Adam. Keep it feathered. <laughs> As always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason we show up to read these stories every single day. Thank you, too. It has been Wednesday, January 31st, the last day of the first month of 2024. The show is over. Hope you've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. And I hope it's enough for you to smoke, at least. Until tomorrow. My name is Rico. Let me meet the dopest dad on the street for High 9 News, the cannabis industry's number one daily news show. And I'd like to bounce this one right back to my man, So Hum, to take us out today. What you got for us, brother? Um, It's good to be back. Good to see everyone. I hope, uh, you know, everybody learned some fun things. We had some good discussions getting ready for the Super Bowl. And uh, smoke one, stay lifted, everyone. Have a great day.